Hi, this is Alex again with the American Bros Podcast. We're recording episode 11 of season 5. We are recording this old school style. We are not doing a live stream video chat. <laughs> My live, house. Live stream audio chat. Yeah, live stream audio chat. At uh, in my apartment, we have a dishwasher going, so I, that my mic is not that good to tone all that stuff on. <laughs> so that's uh, that's we're kind of going old school. Um, how are you guys week going? Um, my week's been pretty busy. I. Uh... Covered for a shift yesterday, so today I was like pretty dead. I was like super. What you do yesterday? Did you work for a shift yesterday? What you say? No, I did not work all day. I've done that once. But I'm not doing that again. I only worked like uh, like uh, I don't know, ten hours or something. Eleven. That's still, hours. really pretty long time. Especially that kind of job, which is physical. And I worked two shifts. <clears throat> Did you say you worked four shifts at one in one day before? No, I worked three shifts, but two of the shifts were long. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got. Uh, Switch OLED finally, so uh, I played that a little bit. Hey, you've been oh, waiting yeah. getting one of those for a while, so you're stoked. Yeah, it's funny because, like, and a week later, I went to Target and they had two just sitting there. I'm like, wow, maybe people like didn't know they're there, or maybe people just aren't as excited as I thought they were. Oh, I don't what... know. <laughs> I mean, that is, isn't it sort of like it's not a major leap in the hardware it's a new screen and slightly what a bigger screen a little bit but it's not like when you're going from a ps4 to 5 or the new xbox where it's entirely kind of a new system and so i think most people most people who have a switch aren't going to clamor to get one of these it's just going to be nicer for the people buying it now and there'll be a few people who want a new one but it's not like it's not it's not the kind of hardware that makes you if you already have a switch want to go out and buy one unless you are really interested in that screen i did it and got the OLED, so I was really interested. The reason why I bought it is I think it's just like a really great value because it's only 50 bucks more. You get like a whole new set of um, Joy-Cons, the dock, AC adapter, and the whole new screen also. So it's like a bundle of like everything you might need. And did, did, you, uh, did the stuff you have, was it breaking and wearing out? No, it's just uh, updated hardware. The Joy-Cons are supposedly fixed. So they don't have that problem of Joy-Con drift. Um, and the new dock has, instead of a USB port, it has connection for like Ethernet if I ever needed that. So if I wanted like a secure connection and like for some, I don't know, Overwatch 2, if it ever comes out on Switch, uh, there. So, what games have you been playing on it? <laughs> Just Pokemon uh, Brilliant or oh, Shining. Pro. Does it look yeah, any different? Shining. No, it's not like it just looks like 
just pops out better. Um, the colors are more colorful, I guess. More like shy- higher saturation and higher contrast. Yeah, it, brighter and darks look slightly better. I was talking to Nick and like uh, the screen itself, like a lot of like old school screens, like the LCD panels, they you can see like where the screen might be backlit. It's like a gray color, but like, I mean, it doesn't affect it at all. It just looks nice. I don't know. The OLED screens are like pure black when they are. <clears throat> nice. Yeah, but um, besides that, it's just a slight upgrade to the current model if you have a regular switch. If you have a, a switch light, I mean, it's different because the screen's like probably a significant size upgrade because I think isn't the switch light like slightly smaller than the switch? Yeah, I haven't really looked at a normal switch in a really long time, but my switch light is kind of a nice, it's like it's a big size, it's big compared to a DS or a phone, but it's probably small compared to the normal switch. Yeah, and then you have the Joy Cons, but I mean, that's common, it's not like. I guess if you wanted to, you could play like some of the gyros games. I think you can like pair. I wonder if you could pair up like Joy Cons to a Switch Lite. If you wanted to play those games because since they're auto, they're like always connected to one. You can't play certain games if you wanted to. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, I guess it. I don't know. It would be. It'd be like a hundred dollar. Is it two hundred? Is it a hundred fifty dollar? difference between the switch light and the switch OLED? I think it is, right? Remember. Because the switch light is 200 bucks and then the switch standard is 300 bucks and the switch OLED is 350. So yeah, I don't know. I guess you'd have to if you're like looking for some upgrade to a screen or if you wanted to like dock it eventually, you'd have to outweigh like the pros and cons to see if 150 bucks is worth it for you. That's a pretty significant amount in terms of the cost of the device. I mean, I think if you're obviously if you play a lot of Switch games, then maybe it's worth it. For me, I don't really use it that much, so I, I, you know, probably was it was probably barely worth it to, to buy the Switch Lite to begin with for me. But I did, and it's been fine. But maybe if you really play a lot of Switch, um, the new one might be worth it. I think people might be a little more excited overall when there's a really a more a newer like a hardware generation beyond just the screen. Yeah, I wonder if Nintendo will. I mean, they did do that kind of with the new 3DS, where they like slightly updated like the RAM, and I guess it enabled slightly better games on it. I wonder if they do that for the Switch like family. Maybe oh, they'll that, introduce. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if that or because some people seem to be loving the Switch. Why don't they just, you know, make, uh, upgrade the specs significantly? and keep the sort of the form factor of it like the switch 2 basically or something and it'll be the same style console which they haven't they never they usually every time they do a new console it's some sort of different thing but people love the switch why not keep it the way yeah. it is but like massively upgrade the hardware and then you you could even do a cross-platform thing or if you play a game on the old switch it looks fine but on the new one the graphics are significantly better i mean people wouldn't oh, complain if that was the yeah. case yeah that way like <clears throat> people wouldn't i mean like people are probably 
fine and happy with the Switch now. And then if they go for the next one, they don't have to like rebuy all the games and do stuff like that. Yeah, it's like going from a PS4 to a PS5. Games made yeah. for the PS5 look incredible, but you can still play PS4 games just fine, and they or else they also run great. Yeah, I I mean I don't see Nintendo going away from this mode of like having the two options of portable and uh you know dock mode so it's worked pretty well for them no i have a product that has been uh coming (laughs) having a hard time getting it's uh whoop announced a strap 4.0 like way back in september and but after delays and delays they finally shipped it on Tuesday of <laughs> three months to deliver it. And I, it should be arriving tomorrow. So I, I have that to review next week. So wait, what was that going to be? Like, what's the product? You remember the Whoop? The Whoop is, a, it has a wristband. They say you can wear it like anywhere now because like hmm. <laughs> it's a lot more flexible, and but it takes data and helps you have a balanced life and work out uh, to optimal amount and sleep oh, yeah. optimally. Yeah. Did you um? It's, renew you or how's that work? Well, I paid for an 18-month thing a while ago. <laughs> they said they'll give me an extra month because <laughs> they had so many delays. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. So I guess my uh, question would be, like, after these next um, seven months, would you consider renewing it, or would you just rely on your ordering? Well, the main reason that I would pay for it is for the strain coaching. I really like working up to my optimal or perceived optimal (laughs) based on uh, what they observed with the data from my lifestyle. So I'll probably keep paying it just for that. Uh, unless so uh, like, uh, Aura Ring, unless Aura Ring starts doing that, I'll probably still use Whoop. <laughs> so even though you have similar um, feature sets in both products, you'd rather use the premium subscription plan because of the strain. Um, and then, like analysis on like daily strain. No, not just the strain. It's uh, the strain coach. When I work out, they'll tell me how much I should when I should finish my workout, so I don't work out too much or too little. Yeah. 
I like doing that because I don't know. Maybe I, I think I'm fragile or something. <laughs> I don't know. And then, then there's me, and I just sleep all day on Sunday and go to work on Monday. So I need to yeah. get back into all that exercising and stuff. I've kind of let myself go completely for this month, but I'm telling myself I'll get completely back on the bandwagon in January. So we'll see how long that lasts. Maybe if we uh, both do it and then we hold ourselves accountable, then we can. Right? That's that's how it works. It's like <laughs> but, a support group. <laughs> support of watch group. Maybe we can we do like a, a circle, like a Apple Watch circle competition thing? Oh, yeah. That get the most circles between both of you, <laughs> you and I, or something. <laughs> Yeah, dude, you're gonna yeah, destroy Nick. Challenges and shit, yeah. Oh, fuck off. No, I barely get any. I barely get one circle. <laughs> okay, well, Nick's probably gonna destroy Alex then. <laughs> yeah, MKBHD <laughs> talks about wanting to have a group competition. I don't know if you can do a group competition. Or well, so far, a group is two people, so we're probably doing all right there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and you could be complaining about that. If you get like um, Jessica Apple Watch, you can have her join the group. No, she doesn't want one. I, I offered my watch to her when I was trying to get rid of Apple stuff. <laughs> I mean, she could still use Google or Google Apple Circle thing on her phone, right? I don't know if it activates. I know the, the fitness app might be built in, but I don't know if it really gets used unless you have an Apple Watch. Otherwise, it saves all the health data to a health app and you can see your steps and everything. But like the actual activity app, I don't know. Hmm. 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 Yeah, so I could challenge you and we could try to see and get most people to have it that way. So you can run themselves <laughs> into the ground longer. <laughs> who could yeah. run further in a torch machine probably not me but you know I'm not really much of a runner I can, I can walk a really long time but <laughs> built for comfort not for speed <laughs> built for um, aesthetics <laughs> I wish well we'll get, <laughs> we'll get there eventually you get there Just gotta after, after the holidays after Christmas after New Year's detox after new york yeah i know god so <laughs> many so many treats on the schedule but <laughs> this is skipped 2023 <laughs> uh, well we'll see we'll see <laughs> do you have any like small topics to bring up nick before uh, alex goes into his next topic uh, well, I don't know. I, I have the topics that I found kind of interesting were um, I saw kind of, I guess, I don't know if it's the same day or recent or uh, pretty close to each other. There were articles about uh, what Google and Apple are doing in terms of the their reaction to the current changes in the virus. Uh, I know people, Apple had delayed the return of all their corporate employees back to the spaceship um, to, to a certain time. <laughs> And people were still unhappy that they had to return. And now they said that they've indefinitely delayed it. That doesn't mean that they're going to yeah. let people stay home forever, but they just, I think they're going to just, there's no point in setting a time because nobody really knows when 
it's going to be a good time to do that. So that was kind of a big step for them. And they said that they're going to give a thousand dollars to everybody who works in corporate to buy home office supplies, which I mean, yeah, that's not going to buy you a fancy Mac, but it'll buy you a nice chair and a desk or whatever you, whatever you need in that way. So that's kind of good, but that's kind of interesting. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's showing, I feel like it's, when it comes to things like this pandemic stuff, what you can just like, like, like in many times, if you pay attention to what people are doing with their money, you can kind of see what you think people really, really think is going to happen. So it's, it kind of says something that Apple is just admitting, yeah, we don't know when people are really going to be able to come back. So we're just going to have them work remotely for quite a while. And, uh, the, the Google article that I read said that, and I'm super happy about this, the headline was something like, Google employees lose pay if they don't comply with vaccination policy. Yeah, I saw and, that um, too. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. it was it was interesting. And I, so I read some of the details, and it turns out that, um, I guess, uh, Google leadership, circ leadership circled a, a like what? Totally butchering this sentence. I'm trying to read. As there was a memo circulated by leadership, and it said that employees had until December third to give the company their vaccine status and upload some proof of that, or to apply for an exemption for certain medical reasons or religious reasons. Um, mm. They said after that they're going to contact their employees who aren't haven't been vaccinated without a good excuse, and um, they're going to have like 30 days of paid leave to like, I guess, just deal with that. But after that, they're going to be put on unpaid leave for up to six months if they're still not vaccinated and then they're says followed by termination so um wow. that's like that's a really long time if you think about it like you know six, well, six plus one month if seven months to get your shit together i mean who even knows what's gonna be happening in seven <laughs> months but yeah it, it really is pretty good i mean it's really saying like they they wouldn't really be doing this unless they unless they really thought that that was the answer i mean like as much shit as I give all these different tech companies, they do have smart people working for them. You know, they don't, they're not just doing this on a whim. They know that if they get all their employees vaccinated, it'll be a much safer place for them to work. And if they want them to work in person, it's a better decision um, in terms of the health of their employees to make them do this. So I, I don't know. I kind of like this kind of stuff. I want to see more stringent requirements. I'm really over the virus going on this long. I mean, hey, we all are over it, right? But one of the reasons... I, I kind of want to turn up the turn up the fire a little bit under everybody's ass and just say, yeah, like you have to be vaccinated and you have to we have to just try hard and nobody wants to. And part of part of the reason I brought up both of these things is just because I've, I mentioned on Twitter I've been kind of doom scrolling recently and all the news of the COVID variant and everything. <laughs> you know, I see I read articles and threads and stuff, and it really it's upsetting because this whole couple of years has been upsetting with the pandemic but it's kind of i don't know we're all it's a, it's a weird combination now because we're all sort of desensitized now we are so used to living with ups and downs in the pandemic and all of this and the news is pretty bad of this new variant you know potentially extremely transmissible tran transmissible uh extremely it, like it's exponential growth right so it's it's the potential is there for a really huge spike in cases and i don't think that we're ready for it yeah yeah like mentally right and i think we're kind of all people have been coasting this last six months eight months and thinking okay we're vaccinated things are getting better and better and in some places it's been pretty good i know some parts of california and and other places i know new, when i was there in new york people were pretty relaxed because the vaccine rate is so high and it just hasn't been a big deal there 
Um, so to get to have to really think about it and go back and go, wow, maybe we have to go back and close, close a few, you know, be more, be, maybe we have to be more wary of what we're doing. Uh, nobody wants to go back to those times. They all want to keep moving forward. So I think it's going to be hard for us all. Well, some people more than others, but when I say us, I mean, you know, society to come to grips with the fact that maybe we're going to have to pay even more attention to the coronavirus, right? In the next what, two to six weeks or whatever, whatever happens, um, you know, Google and Apple are kind of, they're speaking with their policies there. You know, they're really saying, you know, in Apple's case, hey, we don't know how long this is going to last. And then Google saying, you know, it's important to us that you do your part and get your fucking shots. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, just an interesting, a couple of interesting stories there. And I, I think it, for at first, it might seem a little bit, uh, not extreme, but a pretty strong stance that the Google has. But like I said, I'm kind of here for that. I want more people. We need more of that. We need more. I want to be checked for my vaccine card when I go into a restaurant. I don't care. You know, I did, when I was in New York, that they did that everywhere you went. I mean, for for food and everything, they just check at the door. And yeah, you could fake that, but it pretty much, it, it, I'm sure it helps weed out the people who are not vaccinated. So all that rant is to say, um, <laughs> I hope uh, I hope we're not super fucked. I hope we're only just like kind of fucked. I just want to come out where you can cook chicken at home. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be something to like, I don't know, do all your chicken work at home? Maybe, maybe what they could do is they give everyone like a little fryer and then everyone just like delivers their own food on their own terms. And then, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, they would give you um, a couple of like, I guess they would have a Chick fil A network of drones. And so it'd be a sort of like, like yeah. somebody place an order and then the closest person who works for Chick fil A to that person, to the customer, would make yeah. the food and then the drone would automatically go pick up the food and it'd be super fresh. Yeah, and whoever has the fire closest, they cook it at home, and then <laughs> it's ready. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that could you could be on this decentralized chicken production. I, I could be the first one to start it. That's actually not such a bad idea, especially there. I mean, the market for chicken is it no, no knows no bounds there in Utah. So Dude, I, I normally, like... normally I would say if there was like, like a bunch of chicken restaurants, I'd say, hey, you know, buddy, maybe there's a different kind of business you can get into. It's pretty saturated, but there, there, it's it's endless. There's bottomless. There's no, actually, I should refer. There's it's ceilingless. See, there's no, there's no limit to the height of chicken restaurants there. So you could, you could be the first bottomless chicken pit. <laughs> but, so yeah. my so basically, if my neighbor wants chicken. I just like cook it up and then John brings it over to him. And no, I, I just throw no a raw chicken through their window and say, thank you. Y yeah. You figure out the seasonings yourself and just give you the money. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I provide you literally just the chicken and then you, <laughs> and then you subsidize the cost of my living. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I'm here for that. It, it, I kind of wish, I don't know, I wish my job could be done remotely. A lot of it could be if we were all very, if we had a workflow set up for that. A lot of the digital work could be, but it's not set up like that. That's not my job. But I, I, I from from the from the, the at-home work that I've done, I do enjoy it. I like working on my own terms. Um, I like having control over my own computer and not worrying about other people you know, changing any settings. I like organizing my my physical desktop with the way I want it, with whatever there. I like being able to take it, 
little break or do whatever I need. I mean, there's so many, so many great things. I think the whole world has grown to appreciate about working at home, but um, there, there is something to be said for actually having to be in the room with other people. I mean, it does, it's just a different vibe, you know, and that can be beneficial, I think. So we'll see. I'm curious kind of how, how long it'll be till Apple really calls their employees back. You know, I wonder if maybe next spring, summer, maybe we have gotten our shit together a little bit better and we can say that we're getting past the pandemic. I mean, I, I, I'm not qualified enough to really be able to guess at any of that. Yeah. I mean, I guess for your workflow, it would be just like have people have like a drop off area and then you can have like one person work or two people work in store and then you just get all the products down and then everyone else is doing like digital work. Yeah. Like I mean, where I work, yeah, somebody could drop off projects and a lot of it just needs to be scanned and then work needs to be done to those images. And that's yeah. all that could be done anywhere. So assuming there was a setup for that, like a repository that could be accessed by the remote workers, you could just grab an order number or you could have digital notes. I mean, all this, ex the concept exists. I'm just saying that where I work is definitely not set up for that level of organization. Um, just following paper notes can be difficult for some of us. So <laughs> relying on digital. But I, I would thrive that way, but not, not everybody would be able to work like that. But maybe some, maybe sometime in my existence there, maybe that'll be possible. Or marking like all the company emails as spam and then no one gets the emails. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, See, if if I'm working if I'm working at home alone, I'm not going to make any tech mistakes like that, and then I won't have to worry or deal with that. <laughs> All right, uh, Alex has the next segment, I guess. Yeah, about a month ago, Nodal announced uh, the crowd loan, and I thought. So immediately prepared for that basically and I saw that Clover I learned about them through Coinbase and I had some of their tokens so I figured oh maybe I'll throw a few or a few polka dots into their crowd loan and I thought it's kind of interesting because the auction was like pretty heated competition <laughs> the last uh, uh, week or so between uh, Clover Finance and I think the other one was called Affinity. Hmm. Um, it, they were like behind by a million for like a day and then I checked the next day they caught up and passed so only ahead by a few like, hundred thousand and then they're ahead by like a million now so yeah it's pretty interesting and it seems like uh I am two for two for my investing. None of my investments have lost the crowd loan um, auction bid. Well, that's pretty <laughs> uh, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I already talked about the awards. I'm probably going to get about... I think they said they'll give... I don't know. The, the rewards for it, they'll give maybe 40 
They'll give 40 Clover tokens for every dot that you invested. They'll give you like 30% at the launch of the blockchain or the connection when it's connected to Polkadot. That should be happening at the end of the week. The first five slots should be active at the end of this week. And uh, yeah, on last Friday, they announced, or Nodal announced that you could start contributing to the crowd loan. And they did have an option where I could like retain my, uh, the value of my Polkadot, kind of like how I explained before with the Alcala, but they were partnering with this other crowd loan project called a parallel finance. And I didn't want to wait like a week or two until get everything in order because they have to launch their blockchain project at the same time as Alcala and Clover and stuff. So I just contributed mine early without accessing the liquidity. But yeah, the only thing that's exciting about the, the nodal uh, crowd loan that I haven't talked about yet is that for the first 10,000 contributors, they're going to, or the top, the top 10,000 contributors of the uh, crowd loan are going to get a matrix inspired NFT. Huh, I'm suddenly interested. <laughs> you want a metric style a matrix inspired nft <laughs> uh well i don't know if i'm so interested in the sort of nft part of that but mostly i hear the matrix and i am interested <laughs> i'm always interested yeah. in the matrix uh, when's the when's the new movie coming out is uh, it 22nd i think it's for a couple days from christmas it's a gift that we all deserve. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I just that's the quick update. Um, I don't. I think Nodal is third place so far in the next like six slots. I think that they're filling. So it seems like we're on pace to getting a slot. So that'll be another win. Um, yeah, when the parallel finance goes online, I expect the uh, Nora will get a bunch more uh, in the crowd loan. Yeah, Nick, you were thinking about NFTs recently. What were you thinking about it? Um, mostly just because I would like more money. And I think that if <laughs> there was money that I could make without too much effort in this whole thing, then maybe I would consider it. Uh, also, because uh, I watched a couple of videos, one of which was by Joanna Stern, the Wall Street Journal, and she's awesome. Um, I, don't, I like her videos. I just... I've seen her, I've heard her on podcasts and I, I like her style. She's funny. And so when she makes something, I kind of, not that I didn't pay attention before, but um, I don't know, you know, sometimes if you see somebody who sort of has uh, 
who you respect online do an article or video about something it suddenly makes you think about it more so she she did a quick video on nft she made her uh her like i don't know maybe four or five year old son's drawing into an nft and then gave that nft with a digital wallet to her mom her mom was like what is this and why do i want it but um <laughs> it did make, make me think about it just because you know I, I keep reading articles about nfts that get sold for so much money and i know that the reason that those things sell for so much money is probably because they're all from famous people or famous artists or they're from famous franchises or whatever. But I, I, the big disconnect that I still have not really f been able to figure out is if you're trying to get into selling NFTs of your artwork or whatever you make, is it, well, cause we already try to do that in, in normally, right? You might try to sell your art and then, if you try to sell it in normal currency, well, if you don't have anybody who follows you or knows about you, then nobody's going to pay you for it because nope, you don't have an audience. So that mm -hmm. part is still missing for me from this whole NFT thing. I, I could admit some of my photographs. I have various series of photos as NFTs. And I think they're pretty cool. I think they could, I think they're worth something, but how would I find anybody who'd be interested in paying, paying for those or buying them? So I don't really know that. I guess I could just, try it and I could make one or two and put them up onto a, onto a website that's designed to sell art or photography. And I could just see if there was any interest. I mean, that's, that's something I could do. I might do that, but I, I still think that I don't really understand. I think you must have to have some sort of following already to really capitalize on this. Right. I mean, it's pretty hard to go out and yeah. to see if people who have artwork or photographs or whatever it is for sale as NFTs, if you don't already have people who want that. Because how, how, why would somebody see my work and go, oh, I want to spend maybe not a ton of money, but like something on this when I could buy something from an artist that I know about already. So it's always the issue with any sort of art anywhere, whether it's cryptocurrency or normal currency, you know, you're kind of screaming into the void there because there's so much, there's so much available. Yeah, yeah there's, uh, there's a lot of marketing that goes behind the NFT stuff that I've seen, and it's an. I think it's important to have like utility and value from like owning it. Maybe it, there's like some community perks or something. Um, there's an article in the like the show document. It says that the title of the document or article is NFT Four Secrets to Understand to understand their real value. So, I don't know. Maybe if you want to learn how to make some value in it. Yeah, I mean... Make more I value would, to it. I've been seeing some photographers that I also tr sort of trust and admire um, on social media or on Twitter talk about... I, mean, one of, I think I've mentioned this before. A photographer that I admire has posted a lot about his success with NFTs. And he's been retweeting a lot of things about them, talking about them, other talking about other photographers doing it and has a really positive outlook on all of this for photography. And part of me thinks, okay, that, that makes me interested because now I would, I would take it seriously if this person is talking about it that way, because I trust that person's point of view. But I also know that that person has a pretty wide reach already has a huge following they've cultivated for the last 10 years. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? So <laughs> uh -huh. of course, when they put out their incredible photography and they have collectors buying that. And I'm sure that when their NFTs sold out, they probably made hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, that, that of course you'd think that's a great success if that happened to you, but 
for the rest <laughs> of us who don't have really any of that, I don't. I just. I still fail to see how an NFT helps an average unfamous person. So maybe, but maybe I'll just try and see. Maybe if you put it up onto an art website, um, maybe there's still enough energy there where people with money are just scouring and finding art that they like and they're willing to pay for it. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know enough, enough about it. Maybe that's maybe it's still worth doing. Um, I guess I could also do yeah. the research. You know, there's, I could read enough about it where I could figure it out. But I haven't yet because I have a lot of things that I'm interested in, and it's just it hasn't been a priority. But I do really like the idea of just more money in my pocket. So if I could find a way to do that, <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. I wonder if uh, yeah. I wonder if like. Uh, websites like um what are those Don't like Flickr? fans okay yeah Flickr. I, I was saying like you know like basic image websites like um i don't know the other ones like uh what is it 100 pixel or whatever oh yeah 500 or, like, pixels or yeah 500 or, or like deviant i wonder if they have options yet to like create your own nfts and like sell your art that way Actually, I'm just kind of surprised something like 500 pixels or DeviantArt especially think that they would probably try to figure out some sort of easy, like one click solution for that. You know, yeah, I think that that could be a really, mm -hmm. I'm, they must be working on it at DA because if you're somebody who's even moderately successful, you could press a button and mint, you know, you could, it could, it could maybe explain it to you first, so you know, what's what you're doing. And then uh, maybe it could walk you through that because there are a lot of people who don't know, understand, or really might not even care so much about the technology, but could benefit from selling their work like that. Um, you know, so that that's that's true. I'm surprised. It's probably only a matter of time before these services show up that really try to streamline it all for you. That's been the case with everything. You know, technology starts, and it's it's only used by people who are really, you know, geeky and in the know. There's anything like the internet and uh, chat rooms and email stuff all this stuff was really you know it wasn't mainstream and then eventually services start and everybody gets aol and you've got mail you know so things have to get easy <laughs> enough for everybody to use them and i think that we're not quite there for the every person i think that like if you're pretty interested in your technology you can figure it out but i don't think if you're not because there's a cross there's not always a crossover people like me or other artists are very into technology but a lot of people who make art don't really care that much they just care about the art and they just want the technology to they just use it because they have to to market themselves so as soon as services exist to make that easier for them to get into that whole thing and people will use it yeah on OpenSea, there's an option where you could just people could just make offers for your nfts so i was thinking maybe like deviant art could just make a option where people can make offers and you can just well, I assume it's sort of like an eBay situation, it. maybe. You could set a reserve and say, hey, I want, I need at least this much. But, if, you know, once somebody makes that bid, maybe there's a certain amount of time where you could you could bid more than that if you want it. Like, it's, I don't know, you could work it like an auction, right? Say my, my yeah. reserve yeah, price is yeah. one coin or whatever, and then if it goes above that, that's great, but I, I won't sell it unless it reaches this certain amount. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because... And NF, owning the NFT is basically owning the rights to that kind of artwork. So it's more than just buying a copy of. Well, is it and, owning the rights to it, or is it just? I mean, is it just you own that specific copy? I don't think that's unless you unless you specifically yeah, I, sell them the rights. I think you own you just own that specific digital copy. I think from what I read, I mean, it's up to the artist to decide if they own the rights or if they just own the rights to. You know, I think you could say. 
hey, you know, with this NFT, I'm selling you, uh, you own the right to display this on social media and, or let's say you can make prints of it for yourself, but you can't profit over. I'm sure there's, there are ways to control that because maybe not everybody who wants to sell an NFT wants it to give away the rights to the entire piece. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah, beyond me, I have no idea how any of this works. So. Well, I, I kind of think of it a little, I mean, I think of it a little bit sort of like selling a print of something. If I sell you a print of my photo, I can, you, you don't own the photo, you own the print of that photo. And I feel like that's sort of, I mean, it's not exactly the same, but with an NFT, you, you own that specific version of that file or artwork, right? But I, as far yeah. as I know, it doesn't legally make you own the rights to the photo as long as, you know, I think it just depends on how you, like the terms of the sale, maybe, I don't know. So just inherently yeah, yeah, owning yeah, an yeah. NFT doesn't mean you own the image itself, like the, the original creation, depending on what kind of art it is. I don't know. It's, it seems kind of complex, which is why it's so hard for a lot of people to get into or to understand because there's a lot that goes into it. Like even legally like that, do I own the image? Do I own just the copy of the image? What rights do I have when I buy it? Do we have to negotiate that? I don't, you know, I don't know any of that really. Maybe it's different. Yeah, for like, <clears throat> like uh, why, why can't I just, if you bought the NFT and I can just have the same image and share it all over my Instagram and I still making money, then like, what's the point of your NFT? You know, well, isn't the point that you own that? Like you, there was, an, let's say one of one edition. So you, you can say that you own that artwork as an NFT and you're the only person who does. It's sort of like, you know, if you, yeah. if you own like, uh, there's maybe there's a print run of five prints of that one photograph and you own one of those, there's value in that. But if there's, you know, maybe the artist also made a thousand really small prints they sell at small occasions. You know, it's it's still being sold and viewed everywhere, but you own a specific edition. I think that's the whole point of the NFT. It's it's sort of equivalent to like an an edition trading card. Yeah, there's there's only like there's a as a limited it's number, either edition. one or a few. Yeah, but when I when I talk about artist editions, I mean literally a number of them, not just sort of a run of cards or books. I mean like an artist will make let's say one print five prints 50 prints 100 prints of something and then that's the edition and then it sells out and then you don't make any more so i wonder if that's the the value of nfts in a way is that you're kind of reproducing that you can say hey we have this many of this one nft or maybe you have one or whatever it is and then the value is there because there's only that many there's like the single nft version i don't know I, the whole thing i i don't see for me it all feels I, a little I bit rickety. i just want to i just want to <laughs> nick just wants the money all right just, just want money. the money yeah so if, if anybody has money i would like i would like your money so if you want to either give it to me maybe I, I i could actually sell you something or you could just give it to me whatever works whatever you're into he can like send you a, a quick i don't know riff of some music on <laughs> he makes you know i'll make music or artwork or photography i'll do something on demand for you, you can send me money <laughs> you can do a live little concert for you well yeah i will do i'll do i'll do a live stream concert for somebody they want to spend some money with me but it can't be nothing you know what i mean can't be just a dollar you mean no yeah a dollar doesn't buy anything these days Yeah, I wonder if I could uh, share my screen for this next uh, thing. Share a tab. Are you recording the video? No, I'm not recording a video. I'm recording the audio.
Who's seen this game? <laughs> hey, yeah. So, um, yeah, this is my uh, astrophysics news for this week. Uh, so it's an uh, article. Basically, we these uh, astro astrophysicists or astronomers uh, observed the the birth of a black hole or neutron star. Um, this star is called the cow or this object. Um, it's originally labeled was the AT 2018 cow. Uh, this was around June 2018. So they uh, Observed that this bright blue flash from a spiral arm of a galaxy 200 million light years away. Um, yeah, and the team that initial like initially found this was through MIT. Um, yeah, so they they saw that these uh, alongside this big blue flash, there was x-rays that pulsed back to the cow um, and pulsed like clockwork every 4.4 milliseconds over 60 days. Um, yeah, um, the x-rays, according to them, said it comes from an object measuring no more than a thousand kilometers wide with a mass just smaller than 800 suns. Um, I mean, it's not that big, right? Yeah, um, they go on and they say, we have likely discovered the birth of a compact object, like a compact vehicle, kind of, but in a supernova. Um, this guy's author, is, uh, his name's DJ. Uh, he's a research uh, scientist. He says, this is, happens in normal supernovae. We haven't seen it before because it's such a messy pro process. But we think this new uh, evidence opens possibilities to finding baby black holes or baby neutron stars. Um, yeah, so that's interesting, I think. Um, I don't think before we've seen like a birth of something like a neutron star, or, like a start of a black hole yet. Um, yeah. And yeah, uh, so they used um, to find the pulse. They used um, the Na NASA's Neutron Star Interior Composition Explorer, the NICER, uh, for the X-ray Modeling Telescope. Um, it's on the ISS, and it started about five days after the initial like optical detection, and monitored over sixty days. And yeah, it says, he goes on and says, the only thing that can be that small as a compact object is either a neutron star or a black hole. And it says it's no larger than 1.3 times 10 to the 8 centimeters. I wonder hmm. if that's like cubic. Like, how do you measure that? It's interesting. Hmm. One time. 10 to the what? 1.3 times 10 to the 8th centimeters. Is that like 
in every direction then like because a cube is four times what is, how does that even work i don't even know Well, it's, it's, a, it's an expression just to say number. like roughly a thousand kilometers wide. It's just a, I think that, it's just another way of writing that, right? Is it just saying like that the star that all the material there is around that size, like from the center of the core, it's expanding out. I think that's just the volume of yeah the object. Yeah, and uh, he goes on again. He says, whenever there's a new phenomenon, there's excitement that it could tell us something new about the universe. For F-bots, we have shown we can study the pulsations in detail in a way that's not possible in the optical. So this is a new way to understand these newborn compact objects. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's cool that like, once you detect something, they just like turn like anything that they can to that object and just like start observing it with different telescopes, you know. I feel like that's what they're going to do, like as soon as they get the, the new telescope up, uh, they're just going to like go to every single project they have and start like observing it with this higher new like um, Telescope, the what is it called? The web. Yeah, James, James Webb. Yeah, the James Webb. They're gonna just get like so much more deep, like detailed data from everything. So, so have the astronomers learned from or confirm anything from the process of like creating a new neutron star or, or the creation of whatever they have? Observed. Wait, what? Have the astronomers confirmed like any theories from the this creation that they have? Um, I mean, I don't think we have the technology <laughs> yet to like observe through all these like like they said it's a messy process. They can't like see how a black hole or a neutron star is completely created yet they don't know the process so like it's all obscured behind all the like material and dust and stuff like that so well oh, you just observed it yeah they they saw this flash they used the x-ray like telescope and noticed that it had like a heartbeat so it's alive The one thing that might be alive that might be still growing and improving, changing is a song that Nick is composing. <laughs> that segue. <laughs> and he calls it a winter field. Uh, it's a different sound from what you've been putting out uh, recently. Uh, what uh, inspires the change. It seems like you've been exploring some different genres. I saw that you put in put out some like 
uh, cowboyish or <laughs> type music. <laughs> yeah, we call it that. I've been, I've just been pretty in a in a musical mood. I guess I've been working a lot on a bunch of different songs um, or starting things and then deciding they're not good, not finishing them. But I've just been playing a lot of music at night uh, after work. And, you know, again, this is just a hobby, so they're not really for anything, but I've been trying different things. Um, the song I shared with you today is kind of a wintry song. Um, I was just thinking about snow falling, you know, and how s soft and still that can be. Some Sometimes, you know, it can be so many different things. If you're in the middle of a blizzard, that sounds chaotic, and it can be dangerous, or, you know, it can be extremely still and peaceful. And uh, I haven't been to the snow very many times, but like, the couple times I have, I've you know, I, my experience of it has been this very kind of soft thing. You know, I, I haven't had to live in it and deal with it. When I've gone, I've, I've visited and I've seen, I, I went to, uh, I went to the woods or whatever. And it looked beautiful. I've been, you know, so my impression, my impression of it in that song, sort of this, it's just a, it's a wintry mood, right? Um, mm -hmm. I, mean, I wanted to also make something that was not super loud. Um, I do a lot of that. People call me, other other people have called me out for using too much timpani in my songs. I just the drums are too strong, and I just have too, uh, proclivity to use these big, um, you know, to make it sound just these generic big orchestra strikes. You know, that it's fun and energetic, but I'm trying to get a little more subtle with things. This song that I sent you, um, it's like mostly kind of a completed idea, but it's not totally done in terms of the dynamics. Um, I can still go through and adjust all the different instruments, really make them go quiet and loud and you know really round out the digital performances compared to just playing the notes but i'm still pretty happy with it i like it it's uh it's a different sound for me when i normally do these kind of rock song inspired orchestra stuff um having something that's just soft and kind of relaxing and um yeah so i thought i would share that yeah to me it sounds a little cinematic it kind of sounds like uh, maybe a Lord of the Rings had like a Christmas scene and something in it. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel that. I definitely, I mean, thinking about it the other day, I put on some of the music from Skyrim at work and like, wow, yeah, I probably wholesale lifted like multiple phrases from that song from the Skyrim soundtrack. <laughs> but, um, you know, they say great artists, uh, good, good artists copy, great artists steal. So, um, I don't know. I think it's it's not, I wouldn't say it's like super original, but it was just sort of a fun, it's one of those things where you sit in front of the keyboard and you're like, okay, I want to create a mood and you do it. And it's just a fun thing. So I don't take it super seriously, hmm. but it is, it's, it's me trying to flex a little bit of a muscle of slightly more subtlety than usual. Cause I'm not usually known for subtlety when I make music. So now you just need to steal yeah. someone's NFT. I don't even know how that, is that possible? That's not, isn't that like pretty hard with the way that all works? Isn't like the, Yeah, I, you I, have I, to get I, the seed phrase and send it to yourself or something, or just take over the whole wallet. <laughs> I mean, I suppose maybe some social engineering, or if you could physically, I mean, if you gained access to their device, I mean, there, I'm sure there are ways to steal crypto and NFTs, yeah. but I don't, I don't know anything about that, really. I mean, I just I never really thought about that. Sorry, I didn't mean to like away from the conversation well that's fine <laughs> it is interesting to think about the idea of stealing crypto assets but yeah so um i don't know maybe i'll who knows what i'll share next but i was kind of happy with how that turned out it's just a little 
little chunk of a song that's just nice and basic. Yeah, I was, I was thinking when I saw that you put out some like Western themed sounds or music or whatever, it seems like that's something that would become really natural for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought, I remember that you would like talk to Trevor about that. I think you talk more about watching those films than pirate films. Well, I mean, naturally, I am myself a vampire pirate cowboy, so it comes naturally to me either way. But <laughs> yeah, I think I think one of my things I think about is in my fantasy world of someday, you know, making music with like an actual band of people. Um, I love symphonic rock music, symphonic metal, and I love the European sounds that most of those bands have. And I think the folk music is great, but I wouldn't necessarily want to copy it completely. So I thought it would be a fun idea someday to have a project where. It's like a big, you know, let's be honest, like a Nightwish sounding album or whatever that's all symphonic and metal, but um, maybe focuses on a more, like, for me, local perspective, which would be an American perspective. Like, instead of doing all Norse mythology, there's tons of American, like, history and folklore and stuff that you could, not that I think it's the most interesting thing, but nobody seems to explore it, you know? You have bands doing stuff that's... Um, this, this is a ton of European and there's some, I mean, there's bands from other countries doing it, but I, I don't, you don't see people, I think it's just right. It's ripe for that. Right. You know, these, you could take, um, all these bands seem to take the sort of Lord of the Rings sound and make that into a metal sound. And that's, that's awesome. I love it. But couldn't you also take, um, you know, the sort of Ennio Morricone, like Hollywood cowboy, insane drama music and then make that into a metal album i mean i think that i don't know i think that's right but i think it's something that nobody's done it's just, it's just as fun and ridiculous as all these other you know pirate metal bands or whatever you know so um, i think it'd be fun to write some songs that have a little bit of that style because nobody else seems to be doing it and it's kind of kind of fun so what my current thing that i was what you're referencing that i posted on uh, a snippet of on instagram that's uh, one one song I have working on where every it's just like the main riff out of like five or six different songs so far. It's like a sketch template. I keep working on. I'm like putting all it's sort of like an overture. I'm putting all these different things into it to see, hey, what what kind of songs can I make? So it's not really a song. It's just like a like a sketch pad that I have open in Logic. But maybe mm -hmm. I'll share that sometime just because it is it is pretty cowboy sounding and that's pretty fun. <laughs> Do you have any like pirate video games? I know that you have the Western video game. What was it? Um, do, uh, well, Red Dead. You know, there was that one. Uh, yeah, Red Dead. Yeah, dude, Red Dead. Oh, such a good series. Um, <laughs> there was the one Assassin's Creed pirate game that came out that I, I should have played. Black Flag, I want to say. Yeah, Black Flag. I still should yeah. play that. I mean, just because it seems fun. I still would. I would <laughs> wish. My like my one of my ultimate wishes would be to have basically red dead redemption but set in like you know the golden age of, pir of high seas piracy in the caribbean or wherever <laughs> that would be incredible um so you know if anybody wants to do that i would love it but i don't think so, i really have i guess could just I, I make the soundtrack for it dude that would be like incredible i would love that i wouldn't really be qualified but i would love it um i i think you could maybe qualify part of uncharted 4 as kind of like a pirate Thing. It's not. It's not a period piece, but it involves pirate treasure and a lot of bombastic music. That's awesome. 
but yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll go through another pirate phase or something. But <laughs> now now you got me thinking about like more cowboy music, so maybe I will work more, more of that. We'll see. Okay. Cool. Um, thanks for your participation. Yeah, you as well. Want to catch up, even if we're. I think all of us are a little tired, and you know, we're just doing audio today. But we thought we'd get something out there. So nice to catch up as usual in our weekly little uh, not podcast. I was going to say a call, but I guess for this, in this case, it's technically a podcast, even though it just feels like a call between us chatting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'll put up that song at the end of the podcast. Cool. If anybody makes it that long, uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye.